0: Trainers, it's your region- Oh my god, Sun chip stuck in my throat. <coughs> Hello, Trainers, it's your regional champion, Ryan Geyser, here with another episode of I Wanna Watch the Very Best, because gotta watch them all was taken. So if you didn't listen to the last little mini episode thing I put out last Friday, which I actually recorded like seven hours earlier today, it's been a weird day. I just got really behind. I was trying to build a new PC and that just took way longer than it should have. Um I've gotten a new work schedule that I'm still adjusting to and I'm tired so much more than I was with the overnight schedule. And there's just in general more that I have to do recently. I've been very very busy. So because of that, I decided to take one more week off and I'm going to record and edit this so it's ready for next Friday and I can kind of create a sort of backlog I can actually start working on the weeks after that episode, the week after this one's episode, the week this one comes out, it's, you know how backlogs work. You know how a backlog works. Also due to the time constraints, I have to do another three episode, but I actually think it'll be fine. This kind of actually works out decently with like the next couple episodes in order. They're kind of like a semi-trilogy themselves. Not entirely, but they're still kind of like it. I don't have too much more to say, so let's get right into episode 18, Beauty and the Beach. Synopsis. After the Poke Pal steal and then crash a stranger's boat, they agree to help in his restaurant to pay off the debt. However, when Team Rocket begins aiding a competing restaurant's cruel owner to shut them down, Ash and friends must go to drastic measures, entering a beauty contest. So contrary to popular belief, this episode is not technically banned in the US. It is in most other countries though. Instead we actually got an English dub of it, it was just really heavily edited for reasons that will become very apparent later. It was then aired completely out of order, being promoted as a lost episode, and as a result it's also not on Netflix where I've been watching most of this, or on like any of the DVDs. Thankfully, some kind souls recorded it and let all of us online watch it. That glorious soul was also kind enough to put the episode back together, kind of stitching in the parts that 4Kids cut out with the original Japanese version. So yeah, that's the version I'm going to be watching. It has the original Japanese spliced in where the English cuts out. And because of that, I'm able to cover the entire episode instead of just the English dub. However, as a result of Pokemon's handling of releasing this episode the clips I'm going to play are going to be a bit lower quality as a result, so I'm sorry for that. But with that in mind, let's begin. Arriving in the beautiful beach town of Porta Vista, Ash and his friends immediately jump into the ocean. And reason number one this episode was barely ever shown is the scene hanging on Misty in the bikini, which would be somewhat innocuous if it wasn't clear they were trying to be like, Look at how hot this miner is. Ash comments that it's pretty weird for Misty to look like a girl, and then she throws her Master Ball beach ball hard enough to completely stun Ash, causing him to fall back into the ocean and drown. Meanwhile, Team Rocket is sailing by the shore in their Gyarados submarine, spying on the city ahead of them. This is actually the first time the Gyarados ship appears in the anime, and it's also the first time that James ends the motto with three FIGHT FIGHT FIGHTS! OR PREPARE TO FIGHT FIGHT FIGHT! However, due to this episode being removed from the run order, most people didn't see the sub or slightly changed motto until a little bit later. While plotting on how to steal from wealthy tourists, the trio looks in horror as a large motorboat driven by Ash, Brock, and Pikachu is heading straight for them. On the boat, the protagonists share this absolutely incredible exchange it is such an absolute shame that a lot of people never got to hear this isn't this great misty the boat's beautiful who's it belong to i don't know brock's the one who borrowed it guess he has some pretty rich friends ash i didn't borrow it you were the one who told me to come on board only after i saw brock get on hey, hey wait a second i was only following pikachu Pikachu. Hmm. i think we're in trouble Ash laments that they're all in a lot of trouble, and then crash right into the Unseen Sub, causing an incredible amount of damage to both vessels, and then crashing into a dock. An old man, named Mo runs over screaming at the group for stealing and breaking my boat, before Ash hides behind Misty, and Moe's like, Ah, you remind me of my granddaughter. <laughs> You remind me of my granddaughter! Which is arguably just as, if not worse, than the original where the old man clearly has the hots for her. Reason number two of this episode isn't shown, but it's still not the main reason. Misty suggests that the trio work to pay off the damages, while Team Rocket washes ashore in front of the restaurant of the cruel Brutella, who tries to chase them off her property. Brutella is incredible, and I encourage you all to just look her up and see what she looks like, you will not be disappointed. James suggests to the group that they work for her to fix their sub. Meanwhile, Ash, Brock, and Pikachu try to get people to visit Moe's food place to no success, as Brutella's rival restaurant looks nicer, with Jesse, James, and Meowth also doing actually really well as waitstaff. Jesse teases Ash with their success, talking at a normal speaking volume despite the fact that they are standing like three building lengths apart. And Brock comments that, Jesse looks good in that outfit too. Jessie looks pretty good in that uniform too! Which is fun, I didn't know Brock thought so highly of her looks. That's actually a nice surprise. Anger that Team Rocket's jeers, Ash sends out his whole Pokemon team to help the restaurant. Pikachu and Squirtle hand out flyers, Pidgeot that controls the grill flame with Gust, Charmander helps heat up ramen, and Bulbasaur helps Misty do waitress stuff. Their plan works immediately. Like, the restaurant fills up near instantaneously. And while I know I said before that I love seeing Pokemon help with menial tasks, and still do love seeing that concept used semi-creatively, I think it's funny how this all works. See, the main reason people ignored Moe's restaurant was because it looked dingy, and Ash's Pokemon really did not help the appearance of the place, just kind of advertise it. That means the main reason people came to the restaurant, and they kind of explicitly state this too, was because of the draw of Pokemon helping out which is retroactively kind of funny since later in the series, even the near future, it's nearly impossible to run a business without Pokemon aid. So essentially, these people are stunned at something normal in this world, and it works out great for the gang. For all of three minutes. Team Rocket, upset that Mo is stealing their customers and tips, decide to sabotage them. Despite that not necessarily being how businesses work, I think? And the two restaurants, because if they're the only competing seaside restaurants, which it looks like they are, should have an even spread of customers due to capacity limits causing people to go to the empty one. But I'm not an economist. Or economist. What is that word? Anyway, Meowth sets up a giant fan to blow the flyers away, pumps oil into the oven fire causing a small explosion, and drops a banana peel in Bulbasaur and Misty's path, causing them to trip with the food. These very small setbacks should not be enough to drive every customer away, as these mishaps happen all the time in restaurants, but it does anyway, and Mo laments that they're empty again. Brutella shows up with Team Rocket, leaving their restaurant unstaffed, threatening to take Mo's boat if he doesn't pay back an undisclosed amount of money he owes her for no stated reason. It also quickly cuts to Japanese, because four kids for some reason removed the small bit of dialogue where Ash just angrily goes, eh, Those guys. Moe worries that he'll lose his boat before he can achieve his dream of traveling the world on it before he dies. So Ash and friends vow to find some way to make the money, but are at a loss for ideas. Suddenly, Professor Oak and Ash's mom show up, and suggest that they go to the Beach Beauty contest to advertise the restaurant, with Misty deciding to enter in an attempt to win the prize money from Moe. When the time for the contest comes, Brock somehow managed to get hired as the MC, despite this explicitly being stated to be this massive annual event, and probably already having, like, these big celebrity hosts. And also, Brock has a clear bias towards one of the contestants, so that's just... it's kind of rigged. The group cheers that the restaurant is packed, despite not a single person actually stopping to eat and all of them very clearly just walking past everyone. Brutella meanwhile is upset that Mo will be able to pay her back. Her pettiness is insane because she knows Moe's dream rests on that boat. I may not know much about Repo, but I'd imagine it's way more beneficial to get the owed money and interest than to take the physical insurance of the boat and sell it either used or for scraps. So she clearly is doing this just despite this old man she views as beneath her. I think she's a scorned lover, that's my headcanon. Ash's mom explains that her and Oak are coincidentally there with a tour group, and the contest starts up with Misty going first, once again showing Brock's bias. She then delivers this great line. This is totally embarrassing and degrading, but we need the money. <laughs> Mood, Misty. Mood. Along with the swimsuit show off, which You know, insert rant about child beauty pageants here, everyone also has their Pokemon dress up in a costume, with Misty having Squirtle dress up like a cute little astronaut and riding on Starmie like a UFO. Brock also mistakenly calls it a Star U. Switching back to Japanese, Misty is suddenly shoved off the stage by Jesse and James, the latter of which is wearing a huge pair of inflatable boobs, which he then puffs up bigger. This, if you didn't know, is why 4Kids didn't air the episode normally, because... All the stuff they cut out involving this scene dramatically reduced the episode's runtime, and also was just very jarring in the order of things. Brock, audibly horny, introduces them as two women and is like, well, I don't dislike them. (laughs) James makes fun of Misty for joining 10 years too early and, hey, wait a second, does this contest not have different age groups? Are they actually parading around, like, an 11-year-old girl alongside fully grown women and saying they're all on equal physical and moral footing? This beauty pageant is messed up, man. Coughing, and Ekans comes out dressed as... something. I think it's supposed to be a depiction of, like, an old guru with a beard or something like that, but Brock says it's an Amistar? I don't know. They tried their best, though, and I'm proud of them. However... Gary Oak then also appears out of nowhere with his Gary cheer squad. The crowd goes wild for him and his entourage, despite them probably breaking several rules and Gary also not being a participant. He then gets on the microphone and is like, Ash, I know you're out there listening somewhere and I didn't come to make you jealous. I came so my cheerleading squad could make you jealous. (laughs) They then cheer. Gary, Gary, he's our man. We'll trash Ash, as we know we can! Thank you, fans! Great cheer! I wrote that one myself, Ashy! God, I love Gary. He disrupts this, like, big annual beauty pageant just to junk on Ash, and everyone is loving it. No one goes to stop him. Misty and Team Rocket are jealous that the Gary girls look better than them and are also cheating. Rutella then kidnaps her workers and threatens that she knows that they're from Team Rocket and will give them their sub back, but only on the condition... That they follow her plan exactly. She orders them to disrupt the pageant and destroy Moe's restaurant, leading them to a small pond behind her restaurant with their Gyarados sub in it. That then connects to an underwater tunnel. Why does she have this? Ash rushes up on stage and demands a battle, but Gary rebuffs him and mocks him publicly. Both of them disrupting the pageant perfectly well without Team Rocket ever showing up. Speaking of, their sub then emerges on the beach, sprouts wheels, and attempts to run over tourists. Ash insists it's fine because it's a fake Gyarados. Despite the fact that them nearly running over people is still a real threat? But everyone is reassured, and Team Rocket attacks Ash in anger for ruining their foolproof plan. They fire a heat-seeking missile at the stage, and Gary, despite being directly in the blast zone, is like, heh heh, what are you gonna do about it Ash, huh? "'Idiot! What are you gonna do about this missile, huh? Absolute loser!' Ash then sends out Pidgeotto and Charmander, with Charmander being flown up and flamethrowing the missile, causing it to somehow not explode, but instead losing its seeking tech and flying off course towards the Gyarados sub. Team Rocket tries to run away from it, inadvertently causing both them and Rutel's restaurant to blow up and them to blast away. Mo, having earned enough money from the kid's help, sails off to fulfill his dream while Ash says bye to his mom and continues with his friends on his own journey, while Ash's mom looks on proudly. End episode. This episode is... such a trip. Like, so, so much happens in the span of 20 minutes. It's just hard to wrap your head around. I think the main draw of this episode is the fact that it's banned. It's a lot of fun watching an episode that... Despite very easily being found online, most people haven't seen or even know exists. I'd recommend it purely off that, along with its extremely odd entertainment value. I can't say much more than that. This episode kind of just has to be experienced oneself. Next up, we have episode 19, Tentacool and Tentacruel. Synopsis. Continuing their beachside journey, Ash and friends learn that Tentacool are preventing the construction of a new hotel. When the trio refuses to help eliminate them, Team Rocket volunteers to do it instead. Makes the problem much bigger. Wink. So just like the episode before, this episode is also a banned one. Kind of. On the surface, there's really not much wrong with it. This is even the episode used for part of the opening where Tentacruel destroys a skyscraper. But there lies the problem just shy of three years after this episode was first broadcast in English, 9-11 happened. And for very fair and very obvious reasons, they didn't want to have an episode air in the wake of that which dealt with the destruction of a city. It was actually also banned again shortly after Hurricane Katrina due to the city in the episode becoming flooded, another pretty sensitive subject. However, the episode did and still does air. You can find it on official releases and Netflix to this day. So it's like a half-banned episode, temporarily banned. Still stuck in Porta Vista, Ash and his comrades whine about missing the ferry back to the mainland and having to wait for another. Pikachu notices a horsey in the water, and Brock notes that it seems injured. The water Pokemon then sprays ink into the water, which very skillfully actually shows a crude drawing of two Pokemon. It's a Tentacool and Tentacruel. We're not supposed to know that, but we know that. Right as Misty is about to catch Horsey to help heal it, a ship off in the distance suddenly explodes. Misty sends her water Pokemon to rescue the sailors, and the trio steals another boat to pick them up. The group is then brought to the sailors' boss, Nastina, the identical cousin of Brutella. However, since the four kids' team knew immediately that Beauty in the Beach was not airing, They had to alter the dialogue to make it sound like Team Ash and later Team Rocket don't recognize her. Nestina, surrounded by a harem of Twinks and Speedos, thanks the group and shows off her plans to build a luxury resort and hotel. She then angrily explains that her plans are being interrupted by Tentacool and offers to give a luxurious reward to the three of them if they can exterminate all of the jellies. While Ash is initially into it, Misty says the idea of killing all these Pokemon is horrible, and angrily storms out of the office. She later goes on to explain to the two that she finds Tentacool adorable. Of course! Tentacool are so squishy and nice when you hold them, and they call the pretty red spot on their heads the Ruby of the Sea. Who calls it that? Well, I call it that. It's my name for it. The trio then return to Pikachu and Horsey, which Misty helped off-screen, who are just vibing in a tiny little blow-up pool in the middle of the street. They are so lucky Team Rocket isn't here. Yet. Just as the group is remembering the picture Horsey sprayed, Nastina announces over the city broadcast system that she will give one million dollars to whoever eliminates the tentacle, causing a stampede of people to rush into the harbor in support, trampling Ash and Friends. Nastina then shows up in a tank with full camo gear for some reason, considering she's not even the one exterminating them, and asks, Alright, who's up for it? That was actually a good impression of her, I'm proud of myself. I will award one million dollars to anyone who can exterminate the tentacle. Isn't Nastina generous? Team Rocket puts on a little show that impresses her and then insults her hair, getting a tank blast in the face. However, she still trusts their plan and lets them have a go at it. Team Rocket's idea involves dumping a bunch of sauce into the ocean, killing the Tentas and letting them sell all the remains as a tasty snack. However, they quickly realize that they underestimated the amount of sauce they needed, and get their ship blown up. Their concoction hits one of the tentacool and somehow evolves it into a tower-sized tentacruel. Maybe they accidentally made Dynamax sauce. The Tentacruel then starts destroying the hotel, so Nastina and her Twinks blast them with their tank and rocket launchers. Unfortunately, the blasts do nothing against this giant jellyfish, and the Twinks are trampled and most likely killed by an army of invading Tentacruel. The giant Tentacruel then causes a tidal wave that floods the city, and it and its army then start destroying everything. The citizens flee up to an observation tower, which 100% did not fit the whole city's worth of people, and there were definitely deaths in this attack. Team Rocket gets stranded on the pole at the top of a skyscraper. Nastina then watches as her dreams are destroyed, and just starts shooting wildly with a gun. Oh, it's a good thing I just got that insured! That's the last shot, I'm coming after you! Woo! Ash yells at Pikachu to do something, and then immediately realizes how dumb that sounds. Everyone then sees that Tentacruel is holding Meowth, who is possessed by a Tentacool, which explains that they're destroying everything in revenge for humans destroying their coral reef home for the hotel. There's also this kind of cool scene that looks like the Pokemon version of War on the Worlds, and it's, it's kind of fun, actually. It's a great scene. As Misty laments not understanding Horsey soon enough, not that it would have changed anything, Horsey tries to convince Tentacruel to stop. Tentacruel calls it spineless, Horsey calls it spineless back, and Tentacruel tries to kill it before Pidgeot rescues it. Horsey's right though, jellyfish don't got no spines. Pikachu gains some courage from seeing Horsey stand up to the Tentacruel, and he, Ash, Misty, and Brock's other Pokemon all team up to fight against the Tentacruel. I guess these three are the only Pokemon trainers on the island because not a single other person sends out their Pokemon to help fight. It's just these three. While they initially do well, they start to get beaten really quickly. Pikachu and Tentacruel then have a conversation, and Tentacruel sounds amazing. Misty also snuck away and joins the conversation, begging Tentacruel for forgiveness and promising not to destroy their homes any further. It agrees, but with the warning that it will not stop next time before flinging out into the distance and into Team Rocket. While the jelly army is leaving, Nestina crawls out of some rubble and just starts blasting. Uh, Anyway, I started blasting. Misty and Horsey try to get her to stop, but she refuses. Tentacruel then just kind of casually wanders right back over, and uh, for some reason she assumes that it wants to work with her. It obviously does not, and just knocks her away into the distance. The jellies all return peacefully back to the ocean, leaving behind hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in damages, but don't worry about that. Nastina lands on Brutella and destroys her restaurant rebuilding effort, tormenting a character that had nothing to do with this episode, and also seems to be mending her ways, actively working on fixing the consequences of her actions by hand. The main trio then leaves on the ferry, which is somehow still running despite the annihilation of the city. You'd think there'd be at least like a little bit of a delay, wouldn't you? Brock muses that who would have thought that the tentacle were okay after all. Brock. Brock, my dude. They destroyed homes and businesses. They most likely killed people. And they promised they would do it again. I don't know if that's the wording I'd use. Regardless, the three of them then leave the city behind like it's not my problem. Which, fair, I would do the same. Misty captures Horsey and uses Ash's pose to show it off which Ash gets upset by, and Team Rocket kind of is in the background, sadly hitching a ride on the ferry in a bucket tied to the back of the boat. As the episode ends... This is another just wild episode. I'm gonna say that a lot about Gen 1 episodes, but, like, some of them really stand out as wild, and this is one of them. Like, this could almost be movie material if it weren't about the normal everyday Pokemon. Massive destruction, pleading from the heart, nearly everyone's Pokemon fighting... It's like they shoved the plot for one of the movies in a goofy 20-minute episode with a little gremlin woman named Nastina. It's actually animated really well, too. This episode is just an all-around treat to watch. And finally for today, we have episode 20, The Ghost of Maiden's Peak. Did that sound spooky? I was trying. It probably didn't. It probably just sounded really bad. Synopsis! The group arrives just in time for a festival celebrating a woman who waited until death for her soldier lover to return. However, things start to take a spooky turn when Brock and James seem to become obsessively infatuated with this maiden's ghost. We begin this episode with a shot of a cliff over the ocean, with a woman-shaped rock looking out into the distance. A woman's ghostly voice begs someone to come back, before quickly turning into a male sounding ghastly. Spoiling the plot of the episode. After the title card, the fairy Ash and friends are on arrive in Maiden's Peak. Ash and Misty are happy, but Brock laments that he wasted his summer, because bikini season is over and he didn't get a girl the whole time. They all find out that they're just in time for a festival, and Brock throws a pity party for himself before noticing a girl he's enticed by, who vanishes when he's not looking, and is then dragged off by his two younger friends. Meanwhile, Team Rocket plots to steal loose change from the festival-goers, and James sees the same vanishing woman. An old hag approaches Brock and warns of a beautiful woman that will lead to a cruel fate if she's followed. She then gives the same warning to James, who just found an image of a penny superimposed over a five-yen coin. And there's no good in your future! Who? The police? The sheriff? The FBI? I see a young and beautiful woman who will lead you to a cruel fate! I don't need a fortune teller to know that! Some woman is always causing me trouble! It's a curse! (sighs) Jenny then approaches the Rockets and says that all lost change, even a penny, needs to be reported to the authorities, and then takes the coin. You know, ACAB. Both trios later come across a presentation of a painting being unveiled for the festival. Brock and James are stunned to see that the girl in the picture looks just like the one they saw and walk towards the painting in a trance. The person in charge of the painting stops them from getting too close and explains that the maiden in the painting died 2,000 years ago when she waited so long for her lover to return from a war that she turned to the same stone as the cliff she stood on. The two spellbound boys then go to the rock and obsess over it. Team Rocket plots to steal the painting before falling into the water, while Brock elects to stay by the rock while the rest of his group go back to the festival. However, hours later, Brock still hasn't returned, and Ash tries to go out to look for him, but is stopped by Nurse Joy and forced to go to bed. Thanks, Nurse Mom! Team Rocket meanwhile is resting in some suspended sleeping bags next to the shrine that holds the painting, with only Meowth waking up to their alarm. He then sees the ghost of the maiden leave the shrine but is hypnotized to sleep by her. The ghost then has James and then Brock follow her inside the shrine at the cliff face by claiming that they are the love she's been waiting for. Looking for their friends the next day, Team Ash and Team Rocket run into each other at the peak. Jessie gives the motto by herself, and it's pretty great. Prepare for trouble. And make it double. Doing this by myself is a real drag. To protect the world from devastation! To unite our peoples within our nation! To denounce the evils of truth and love! To extend our reach to the stars above! Jesse? James! Uh, Team Rocket, blast off at the speed of light! Surrender now! Or prepare to fight! It looks awful! The mother then helps them locate James and then Brock, both of whom were in the shrine by the peak, and seem to be under some sort of love struck trance. Pikachu semi snaps them out of it, and then the hag leads them inside, where she explains that all men who pass by the peak fall under the same sort of obsessive spell caused by the ghost. James is pretty scared of his fate, but Brock seems fine with it. The hag then claims that the only way to be safe is to cover the two and the shrine in spell charms, which the dub calls anti-ghost stickers. When night comes around again, the charms prove to be ineffective, and the ghost starts to levitate James and Brock outside. Brock is still fine with this, but James tries to fight back, panickedly wondering why the stickers weren't working. But why? Why aren't the stickers working? Maybe because... We got them. For free? 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 What do you mean free? Uh, A two-for-one deal. We got one set free for every set they bought. It was a real bargain. You used freebies? Oops. I can't believe you're letting that ghost get me just because you're both so cheap! Ash and Misty grab Brock's legs as he floats over the water, and he tries to resist them, while James floats closer to the ghost. Thankfully, Jesse shoots a bazooka at it, breaking the levitation ghost power magic thing. Jessie says she didn't do it to help James, but just because she doesn't like girls who make their whole life about waiting for a man. It's not because of you. Girls like her disgust me, always waiting around for her man as if she were his faithful pet. She can't stand the thought of losing him. She cries, but I'd say see you later. Hell yeah, Jessie. Girl power. The ghost starts to invoke terrifying ghostly images to attack the group. Ash opens up his Pokédex to see if maybe it's a Pokémon attacking them, and accidentally points it at the Maiden, who is revealed to be a Ghastly. That also was the old woman the whole time as well. Ash tries to have Pikachu attack it, but Ghastly fights back by turning into a mousetrap and chasing Pikachu. Meowth also charges at it, but is immediately distracted by a ball of yarn it spawns in. So Jessie then has her Ekans attack, but Ghastly turns into a mongoose to scare it away. Yes, an actual mongoose. This scene is actually kind of famous for that. Maybe it's another stand-in animal and it would actually be, like, a Zangoose or something if done now. But it's still, like, just very, very funny to see this. James tries to have coughing use poison gas attack, but the Mongoose just puts on the gas mask and continues to crush coughing. That is such a tongue twister. Why did I write that down? I probably said that wrong. Next up is Charmander, who is chased away with a fire extinguisher. In a last-ditch effort, Ash sends out Bulbasaur and Squirtle together. Gastly then creates the image of a Venusaur and Blastoise, who then do a fusion dance, and I mean that literally and not as a goof, they actually do the fusion dance, to become a Venustoise, scaring away the last two Pokemon. Misty then rushes up and holds up a crucifix to scare Gastly away, also pulling out garlic, a wooden stake, and a hammer, which Gastly gets offended by. Thankfully, dawn begins to arrive, with the sun scaring Gastly away, as it warns to remember the maiden, as it will return as her and the old lady next year as well. The main trio then participates in the ceremony to send light-up paper boats into the sea, to help guide wayward spirits. Gastly is riding by on one, and begins to talk to the actual ghost of the maiden, who thanks him for keeping her story alive. Gastly says it's his pleasure, as he enjoys it, and even makes a profit from it. Both ghosts then fade away into the night with ghastly saying he'll pass along a message for her if he ever finds her love. Later, Brock laments that he couldn't actually meet the Maiden, while Ash and Misty then enjoy the end of the festival together as the episode ends. This episode's fantastic. Like, while the last two episodes were kind of wild, this one is just straight-up cartoony, and I love it. I understand why the anime eventually moves away from this exaggerated Looney Tunes-esque style of comedy, but I do kind of miss it. It's very entertaining to watch. But maybe part of that comes from the juxtaposition from more modern-ish Pokemon? I don't know. I do know that they actually do kind of bring the goofiness back in Sun and Moon's anime, so I do look forward to the day I eventually get there and get to experience the silliness from a newer perspective. I also remember this episode as one of the most vivid. My parents had a blank VHS they recorded a few Pokemon episode reruns on for us to watch later, because I whined for them to, and this was one of the ones they got. Due to the limit of these tapes, I remember watching this one a lot. While I definitely don't remember all of the plot points very well, I strongly remember the overall story with it, or at the very least, I remember watching it. So it sort of has this kind of vague nostalgia to me more than some of the other episodes do. So all in all, an episode that does not fit the rest of Pokemon's style at all, but one that is nonetheless really enjoyable as a fun piece of filler that I still enjoy today. So, thank you for listening. Um, If you enjoyed what you heard, please make sure to follow on whatever service you're using to listen to the podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, I would love it if you just told your friends. Just be like, hey yeah, this is funny little guy online that's like, hey guys, listen to this episode of Pokemon that he's that vaguely remembers from his childhood and just go watch him. Like use those words exactly. It will draw them in every time. I've tested it. So to wrap this up, make sure you have a great morning, evening, night, outside of space-time, whatever. Just have a good one. Thank you, and goodbye.